Let me ask you a very difficult question. I, I don't know if you're familiar with Jamaica Kincaid's work. She's a writer who's originally from Antigua. She now teaches at Harvard University. She lives in Vermont. And I'd actually like to read you a quotation from a small place. May I? Yes, please. Yeah. She writes, the thing you have always suspected about yourself, the minute you become a tourist, is true. A tourist is an ugly human being. You are not an ugly person all the time. You are not an ugly person ordinarily. You are not an ugly person day to day. From day to day, you are a nice person. End of quotation. So the question is, is a tourist an ugly person? You know, uh, uh, a professor of mine many years ago told me that the interpretation of something is the job of the, the one receiving the message, not of the one tr transmitting the message, right? Uh, and in... What I take from that is, I think she's talking about, again, in my view, of not how the tourist is, but how they are perceived. Now, is is the tourist an ugly person? Um, I think it depends. In part, I agree with that very much because, yes, when you're visiting a, a wonderful destination, you're rushing from place to place, just trying, to, you know, with a, with a checklist and just trying to get a selfie in front of monuments and other locations that you don't know the first thing about and you don't want to know the first thing about when you're there, that's ugly in my view. Or when you're someplace and, you know, especially in the realm of what's called luxury travel. And instead of really trying to understand that destination, you want to make sure that you brought what is yours from home so that you have those comforts there that, in my view, is ugly. Uh, and this is probably not going to be very popular with a lot of people in the tourist industry, or maybe it will. Welcome to Language and Culture with Dr. J. We are in season four, dedicated to interviews conducted about Latin America. As you already know, the season's episodes in Spanish are with Argentinians and the episodes in English with Latin Americans living abroad. For more information about the podcast, my guests, and my books, please visit cultureum.com. That's C-U-L-T-U-R-E-U-M.com or my Instagram pages at drjpodcasts and at quadil. Q-U-A-D-Y-L-L-E. This episode is entitled Tourism, From Latin America to Scandinavia via the United States of America. And my guest today is Marcelo Guimaraes. Marcelo is a native of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. We know each other from our time at good old KU, where Marcelo completed a Bachelor of Science in Electrical Engineering. His path then took him to Rochester University, where he completed a master's degree in optics. In 2013, Marcelo made a bold career move and decided to become a travel agent and to specialize in trips to Scandinavia. He has since been the proud founder and owner of Discover Scandinavia Tours. Marcelo lives in Stewart, Florida with his wife and three kids. 
Welcome, Marcelo, to the podcast. Thank you, Ariad. The way you pronounce my last name, I wish everybody could just learn how to say it. You made it well, so simple. <laughs> of course, that would be expected from you. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> yes. So, Marcelo, we have not spoken for 20-some years. Right before we started recording, you said 30. It's not quite 30. So let's stick with 20. It makes us sound a little younger. I agree. So the last thing I knew was that you were finishing your degree in engineering, and, and then we lost touch. And then when I reached out to you about being a guest on the podcast in, in this season on Latin America, you told me that you were more gringo than Brazilian nowadays. <laughs> Care to elaborate? Uh, yeah, I, I, sure. I mean, I left Brazil when I was 20, you know, so I've, and I'm 49 now. So I've spent, you know, uh, more than half of my life here. And um, I guess I, you know, I'm all, I'll always be Brazilian. That's always at my core. But, uh, you know, to give you an example, I never really uh, participated in, in, the, in the workforce as a, let's call it, as a grown-up in Brazil. You know, all my, my entire career was developed here. So I think I've gotten used to, to the way of life here. And it's a natural thing to just, you know, to, to make the culture of where you are a part of you to a degree. Hmm. But so what, what part of you is still Brazilian? <laughs> uh, well, the part of me that enjoys the food that they make down there, that's one part. Uh, but and I guess the, the part of me that's Brazilian is um, perhaps as much as I, I appreciate the, the scheduled way of life here in the United States and, and I like to apply some flexibility to that. Mm. I don't know, perhaps an element of balance in life. Uh, I think that's a more South American thing in general, certainly Brazilian. Yeah, so that, that's what comes to mind. Mm. So back in college, I there was a very strong Brazilian group. There was a very strong Latin American group at KU, but also a Brazilian group. And I remember you guys, and I remember Jackson and Gustavo and you and all the girls, Juliana. I mean, and you guys were a really strong group, very much, very patriotic, very much anchored in your culture. Uh-huh. How do you think, why do you think that changed? How do you think, I, I read on your website that you say you're the most Nordic Brazilian around. <laughs> How did you guys go from wearing the flag to graduation and playing the guitar and playing all these beautiful Brazilian songs to becoming a Nordic Brazilian? <laughs> well, of course, yeah, there's, there's a lot of parts to, to the answer to that question. Uh, the, the Nordic thing is because I fell in love with Scandinavia, you know, the very north of Europe. And it became a huge part of my life as I decided to, to start a business, which is all about that part of the world so uh but those things are not you know they don't replace who you are they add to who you to who you are right they make you it's 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 going through life and 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 growing really so that's the nordic thing you mentioned music there that's another thing of being brazilian that i absolutely love i think brazilian music is like 
no other music in the world. Music is a huge part of my life. It's always been. Uh, and I am I'm very happy that I was born and raised in Brazil for many reasons. One of them being that I can uh, that I get the music, that I can understand the music, not only the not only not only the words, but uh, the music itself. You know, there's something really special uh, about Brazilian music. Would you go a little bit more into that? Because that's one of the things that I do remember about you guys very much. So, you know, there was, I, and I'm conducting all these different interviews with different people I knew from KU back then. And there are different things I associate with them. I mean, I remember the the Venezuelans and the Colombians fed me. You know what I mean? They like they were always making yeah. their food and they were feeding me. And what I remember the most about the Brazilians was, you know, the you guys playing the guitar and singing and dancing too. That was another yeah, dancing. But all the la yeah. all the Latinos danced. So everybody danced. So that's but, true. But yeah. It was the it was you guys who really like. And I remember these after parties when you were just kind of oh, just these beautiful moments of you guys playing the guitar and singing. Yeah, this I guess, you know, especially in my generation, I don't know if that's still the case, but every, you know, every guy in, in their in his teens wanted to learn how to play the guitar. Uh, of course, the number one reason is the girls. It's not really the music. And, well, you know, I mean, you know, the, you know, I mean, yes, of course, you played those songs. <laughs> your adoring crowd of, you know, gringas. So, <laughs> well, those were good days, but uh, <laughs> the good, the good old days, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you know, the if you think of of bossa nova, which is you know, if people know a couple of Brazilian genres it's bossa nova and samba you know and bossa nova is very guitar based so it's like i said you know you grow up listening to that stuff and you want to play it so gustavo and i you know we met at ku and we found out that both of us played the guitar some and so we decided to just you know we would start playing music together and singing and making arrangements and then there were those festivals also the 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 mm -hmm. cultural festival of the PU, Festival of Nations and, and some other ones. And and we represented Brazil doing exactly that. And with relation to your previous questions about your previous question about being patriotic, again, it's not that the fact that I think we all adapted to to the culture here doesn't mean that uh, we became any less patriotic. We just express it in in the in, in different ways and for us the the playing the guitar and singing brazilian songs was was a huge part of it mm. so but you did wear i don't know now i don't remember if you particularly but i know a lot of brazilians wore the brazilian flag to graduation mm. uh, on your back you kind of had it wrapped around you and what flag would you wear now well uh i think i would wear a flag that's half brazilian and half or would you not wear a flag at all? <laughs> I wouldn't wear a flag, but you know, I, I didn't back then. But I guess, like I said, this is, you know, that's where I was born and raised. And here right now is where my life is. But I really, if, if I were to, it would, it would be a, a combination of flags because also, you know, I, I'm looking right now here in my office at the, the Scandinavian flags, all five of them, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Finland, and Iceland, which also became a huge part of my life. So that's not to say that I'm any less Brazilian. It's just to, you know, that I am whatever is Brazilian in me. I am sharing with all those cultures and I am at the same time grabbing whatever I can from those cultures. So it's an exchange.
Mm-hmm. We'll we'll pick this up again in a second, but let me go on with my with my next question. So the title of this episode is tourism, right? So let's talk yeah. about that a little bit. Tourism is very important to Brazil. In fact, Brazil is the second most visited country in South America after Argentina, which is the number one most visited country. And Brazil is the third most visited country in all of Latin America. So here, Mexico is number one and Argentina number two. Okay. Um, when you were setting up your travel agency, why not focus on the country or at least the region where you grew up? Why specialize in trips to Scandinavia? You probably will not be shocked to know that I've been asked that question before, right? It's it's a it's a it makes sense. Why not Brazil? And right. <laughs> well, there's a couple reasons. One, I never really experienced Brazil as a tourist. It's it's just it's home for me, you know. So I guess I didn't have the the awe that you typically have when you go to a, a different destination. And I did have that when I visited the Scandinavian countries for the first time. And then, the, so that's that's one side. And then there's the practical side, which which is, you know, when I was moving this, the, when I was making this switch, I knew that it was a radical one. You know, I really was, I was entering something I knew nothing about, the travel industry, putting a business together and so on and so forth. So I wanted things to be as simple as possible uh, for me. And I know that there is a degree of logistics involved in sending tourists to Brazil that is complicated. And I wouldn't have to deal with it if I focused on the destination that I picked. So that, that's more of a practical side. Let me push you on that. I mean, I know what you I know what you mean, but would you would you elaborate on that as well, please? You you had to, right? Uh, I, to. I, I have to come on. I mean, it would. <laughs> I wouldn't be well, doing. I mean, it. sure. It's you know. It, yeah. It, it's 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 just facts. I mean, if if you look at you know indices that that measure, I don't know, violence and 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 other things that tourists don't want to necessarily encounter. Uh, if you measure that in in Brazil and you measure that in Norway, say you know you will realize, okay, it's a lot easier to be a, a tourist in Norway by those metrics, you know? And so that's that was the thing for me. And plus, I think that there's a level of bureaucracy involved with uh, business in general in Brazil that was very, believe it or not, foreign to me. Whereas with Scandinavia, I found things to be simpler. So it's, it's just, you know, headaches I didn't want to deal with. But... Uh, that's not to say anything about Brazil as a destination. It was just my personal choice because I, I felt that I would be prepared uh, quicker with the choice that I made. Mm. That's really interesting. It's interesting what you said in the first part of your answer about being in awe of a country. And I don't know, let's reflect on that together a little bit. It's it's true what you're saying that we, we you know, we take for granted mm-hmm. where we're from and don't um aren't as much in awe of it it's it's interesting i only learned it's a little bit sad isn't it i mean in a way it is is. i learned that when i didn't know that until i was i think maybe at ku or even after that when i was living in in upstate new york that it just kind of dawned on me that you know people come from all over the world i was born and raised in in rio right and and people come from all over the world to see that city it's in so many people's uh, bucket list or, you know, or whatever you want to call it. And 
for me, it was just the home. I grew up there. There was nothing touristy about it. You know, I didn't, I went to school and then it's period. So, and as, as, as silly as it is, I can't even convey like the realization when it hit me, you know? And so that's what I was referring to. It's that sense of awe. Wow. This place is awesome. Now, look, I mean, I have the same thing with Hamburg. I, I fell in love with Hamburg. It's a beautiful city and uh, I every it has so much to offer in as far as nature, architecture, culture, everything. And I'm always I always take part in all that Hamburg has to offer. And I think a lot of people who are from here oftentimes don't appreciate it as much. Right. They 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 just sure. they stay in their neighborhood and think, oh, yeah, whatever. So I think it's it's absolutely true. But it goes for everywhere. Right. And not just not just. Exactly. Their place, yeah, yeah, and the and the part about violence and things like that. I think that's that's also very. Thank you for being so honest about it, because I guess it would be a consideration if you were trying to set up a business. There's, on the one hand, this romantic side, right, that we think we saying meaning tourists. We think of the music and the samba and the carnival and the beautiful nature and the beaches and the food. And there Mm -hmm. is this whole aspect of if you were setting up a tour or setting up some sort of a trip, then you're, you are considering these practical uh, aspects of it as well. Exactly. And again, it not only it can be done, but it is done. You know, there's a ton of, there's a lot of companies out there who, who specialize in Brazil and Latin America, and they, they do a fantastic job, but it's, it would be too much of a climb for me at that point. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Well, let me go on with this question. So interestingly, most tourism in South America comes from other South American countries. The bulk of Brazil's tourists come from Argentina and then some from Uruguay and Paraguay. And then, of course, you know, the other neighboring countries like Venezuela, Colombia, etc. This is undeniably partly due to economic reasons and, and logistics. But what would you say are the... What other reasons could contribute to this? And a two-parted question, what top three things do you think Latin Americans take away from visiting each other's countries? Yeah, the, the first thing that comes to mind is what you mentioned already, logistics, of, you know, the proximity. It's, you have all those nations close by, so it's, it's easier to just, uh, to, you know, it's easier for an Uruguayan to, to visit Brazil, especially the South, than for the Japanese, obviously. I think there's also the, I mean, if I were to, and I'm, I'm just brainstorming here, sort of. Uh, there's less, you know, the, the, the language barrier is diminished. There's, of course, people who speak Spanish and Portuguese. There's some, even if you never studied the other language, there's some, and you try hard, there's some understanding there. Although... Sure for reasons I don't know, I don't understand. Brazilians tend to understand Spanish uh, much easier than uh, Spanish-speaking people can understand Portuguese. I, I mean, you would well, know let, that. Me, let me offer just a tiny bit of insight into that. I remember the first time, the first time I heard you guys speak was at a scholarship hall that I was visiting my boyfriend at, mm-hmm. and Jackson and Gustavo were playing ping pong there. I think... I think Jackson lived there. I'm not completely sure. And they were speaking to each other and I wasn't sure what languages it was. And, you know, sort of I speak all these languages and I just sort of grew up with it. So that really bothered me and I couldn't place it. And I couldn't even place it as a 
romance language. And so, so let me just sort of say this sort of, I understand Portuguese in Portugal. I'm able to answer in Spanish and they can answer me in Portuguese and I can, you know, conduct a little conversation, but I cannot understand Brazilian Portuguese at all. Hmm. So, so just, just to sort of like, you know, from, from the other, from the right. other side, from the other point of view. So, so I can imagine that Brazilians understand the Spanish, but it's, I think it's just the, the intonation and the accent of Brazilian Portuguese that is, at least for me, very difficult to understand. Yeah, that, that's certainly, that's probably a factor. But mm -hmm. to your question, um, I guess the, and, and, I, and I can't help making a parallel with the Scandinavian countries, you know, which are so similar yet completely different one from, from the other. I think the same thing possibly happens in South America. Uh, there is, you know, the countries are completely different. Uh, the, the people, the way of life, the culture, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of commonality there, I think, and uh, and that at the same, you know, at, on one hand, it creates, I think, curiosity to see, okay, what is, what are those people like? And on the other hand, it's it's fun to see, oh, okay, you know, we have that in common with them, which I think is at the heart of, of traveling too. Well, I think there's a, there's a common grounds, right? There's a there's a, a mentality, a general culture that's very similar. So mm -hmm. so I think it's very easy, a lot easier to know where people are coming from, what's safe, what's not safe. How do you exactly right? So mm. less less threatening, perhaps even just you know from the fact that we're all neighbors with with few exceptions. So that would be my take on it. I mean, okay, we're just brainstorming here, but. What do you think Europeans, Asians, uh, U.S. Americans, how do you think their trip to Brazil, to Latin America in general, is different from uh, another Latin American visiting neighboring countries? What do you think they take away from it? Or what, how do you think, this, is, it just, is it just a completely different universe? Do, what, what do you think? Well, that's a, that's a tough one. To, the, the only way to really answer that is to talk to enough people. Okay, here, of course, here's the engineer talking, right? But the only way to really <laughs> answer that question is to talk to enough people from those countries and, and put some data on an Excel spreadsheet and, and get to <laughs> But just theorize. Uh, again, I think that those who come from, from Europe from or from Asia, there is this, you know, Latin America is, is a, I think, uh, really exotic you know i dated a girl from from denmark for a while and i remember her talking about you know just latin america as um, something that she couldn't even fathom and we visited costa rica together and she was like taking pictures of banana trees she, she was just in awe so it is something it really is another world and when you get visitors already from south america or latin america that you know it, it's still you're still visiting a foreign country but it's a little a little closer to home and a, and a little less threatening a little less i don't know uh mm -hmm. i say threatening but that's a, a has a negative connotation let's, let's say intimidating rather intimidating than... perfect thank you a, la a little less intimidating exactly so do you think that because of that 
Latin Americans are able to delve deeper into each other's cultures, you know, sort of if you have an Uruguayan visiting Argentina or vice versa, are they going to reach a different level of understanding, of sharing? And, and, this, and the same thing, you know, if a, if a person from Denmark visits Norway, then, then sort of people who are more foreign to the country they're visiting. I think it would make sense to believe that. Uh, again, it's hard to, to know, but, and again, you know, but then there are, I'm, the problem is we're generalizing here, right? Because- Oh, of course, we're just, we're just, you know. Well-traveled people, you know, who, who've gotten beyond that, there, there is already a natural tendency to really just try to, to get the essence of the place. Uh, mm -hmm. But, and so I guess this, this process of getting the essence of a place perhaps is more, it, perhaps it's quicker mm. with, uh, yeah, travelers mm. I mean, who are from the South. Ultimately, it's going to depend on your intentions as well. And we'll get to that question that's coming up in a second. So I think that probably it's just a matter of how you go into it, because I can imagine someone from Latin America uh, going to Brazil on a beach and they just want to be at a resort and don't explore anything, don't delve into any cultural aspects, right? So, and, and then you can have the complete absolute gringo or gringa yeah. and they explore. And so but I we'll think in general terms, there is, I would guess that there is some of what we're discussing here. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Okay, so on your website, you have a cute animated video <laughs> in which you fly on a yellow paper airplane and pick up passengers from around the world. The plane flies over the northern part of South America as well and picks up two Latin American couples. First, two people in national garb that look native. I, I would have guessed that they were Peruvian or Bolivian, but perhaps they are Argentinian or Brazilian. And then the airplane also picks up a Mexican woman and a Mexican man. What do these four people represent and how did you decide to pick them as symbols of Latin America? First of all, I'm really happy you watched that little video. I love that little that little preview. <laughs> it's now, very cute. So the that wasn't my well the 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 order in which those people appeared wasn't really my design. I'll I'll, I'll give you a very quick uh, history of how that thing came about. Uh, my wife Amy and I were going for a run in the dead of the pandemic, right when the world was shut down, shut down, and of course, you know, my business was not doing anything. So we were jogging, and my mind is out there, you know, and I'm just kind of feeling this whole universal feeling that we we all felt of, man, I wish we could go someplace, you know, anything. And that's where the idea came about of just, you know, imagine if just in our minds, we could just go any place and, and uh, <clears throat> invite the whole world and to come with us. And of course, in that little dream, if you will, I take them to, to Scandinavia. So I had that idea, but I have no artistic talents whatsoever outside of music. And even in music, it's, it's questionable. So I, I hired, uh, I hired a, Oh, you're being very humble. I, I like, oh. like I already said, I have I have uh, fond memories of you playing the guitar. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so I hired, you know, some a freelancer who does that kind of stuff, and I shared the concept with him, and we we went over a few versions of the the project, 
But I did ask him to put South America, you know, Latin America first as the first passengers, simply because, again, it's my it's my roots. You know, it's it's where I'm from. But there wasn't a particular meaning, at least from me, about those those four characters, per se. No, but what what struck me, and of course, you know, sort of you're flying with an airplane uh, over the different continents, you're going to pick something that people can recognize, right? So we could say the same thing about what you pick for Asia or, but for me, one of the things that struck me when I was watching the video and I was trying to come up with my questions was that it was very easy to identify the Mexicans. They had the mariachi sombrero and they had the cacti behind them. So, okay, yeah, okay, Mexican. But then when I was trying to sit, I was really looking at the at the South American couple and they just have this traditional native, right, sort of garb. Right. Yeah. And and I was really thinking, OK, maybe is that problematic that we do group all of South America and certainly all of Latin America into, well, OK, Mexican or or these right. other peoples, right? These sort of whatever. And is that a problem? Because what you were saying as well, and what we, of course, I think all of my listeners uh, will know, of course, uh, Latin America is very diverse. Of course, each country has diversity and a number of different cultures within the country, not to mention the differences between cultures between countries. Would you just Say something about that, maybe just from your point of view of being a Brazilian and having having had to deal with that, you know, this all Latin Americans are the same. They all dress the same. They all speak the same. They all think the same. They're all the same. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't mean to 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 get too polemical, but I think the whole, you know, is it a problem? Uh, things become a problem when you allow them to be a problem to a degree. Right. Certain things. And at times it is funny. At times it gets a little old. Uh, you know, Brazil is what? You know, Samba and even Carmen Miranda or Pelé. But you have a couple of choices there. You can get upset because people don't really see the, the depth and the size of, of, of your culture or, or your people or what have you. Or you can just decide to, to you know, you can try to expose them to a little more of that, which is, which is what we did at KU, not knowing that we were doing that. You know, all of us international students, we were just sharing that stuff, which was, to me, one of the the, the most fantastic parts of, of my time at KU it was hanging out with all these international students and and without really trying, eliminating, getting rid of those of those stereotypes and. and yeah, you know, this this thing of, of everything south of the United States is this this big ball written Mexico on it, you know. Uh, so, but to the heart of your question, is it a problem? Uh, personally, not at this point in my life. Perhaps when I when I move to the States, and I do have to say that, you know, so I went to from Rio to to Lawrence, Kansas. Uh you know, it was a switch. And I did experience a little bit of, of prejudice from, you know, one or two or three individuals. But it was an adjustment for me. But at this point in my life, uh, again, personally, I think it's, it, it's, I don't, it's not necessarily a problem. It's, it's an opportunity. And, and that's what, you know, that's why everybody should travel. When you travel, you get to see other places, you get to 
uh, uh, develop your own your own view of those places, not just a collection of stereotypes that you that you get from TV or or other hmm. other places. Let me just go back to the little video for one second, and I'll go back also to something you said about KU. In the little video, these representatives of South America are natives in native garb. What mm -hmm. aspects of your culture or what, I don't know, to what degree do you think native cultures still influence the general feeling about Latin America towards Latin America? Are you talking about Brazil specifically or? Well, you could you could address it for Brazil specifically, or or if you've tried, you know. But no, address it to for, to Brazil. I think it's yeah. best. You know what? I'll tell you. I'll tell you just sort of just why I, I ask as well. One of the things that when we were, I don't know if you know this actually. Um, the reason I'm doing this whole season is because we spent two months in Argentina. My family and I traveled around. So with the, my husband and I with the three kids. And uh, I was really struck by how little I know about Latin America, actually. <laughs> I, I was struck by my own silliness and how I did expect uh, Argentina to be what I knew of Latin America. And it is completely different. And so mm -hmm. I just I just had to do a, a season since I do have this podcast on on that. And right. uh, one of the things that I also thought was was beautiful in Latin America, in uh, Argentina was how much attention they paid to uh, to native populations and et cetera. So that's that's where this mm -hmm. question is coming from. Got it. I understand. And one little comment about the video. I think also, you know, in the video, if we just pick, you know, a guy from, uh, you know, a regular 30-year-old uh, guy from Buenos Aires, for instance, as the representative of Argentina, you probably wouldn't know that I'm, you know, that is somebody from Argentina. So we had to use the native, you know, costumes and so on to to represent exactly this whole concept of flying around the world and grabbing people from from everywhere. But back to 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 your question. To what degree? To, yeah, right. So to what degree is it actually true? Mm hmm. Yeah. Or actually, you know, I mean, I understand the, the symbol, but to what degree is it accurate? I don't know. I mean, in my, in my case, I, I've been away you know, I, I've lived out, outside of Brazil for, for a long time. And I, um, in fact, in the last decade, I haven't even had the chance to visit much because now I, I travel to Europe a lot. So that consumes a lot of my, my traveling time. But I don't, you know, sadly, I think it's, at least when I think of Brazil, I think that that native kind of culture and all the wisdom that came with it and I think it's being lost fairly fast for many reasons. You know, I I don't think that there's been enough attention paid to culture in general. So that is a part of culture and that's suffering too. Besides in Brazil, and I'm, I'm going to speak about Brazil only because I don't really know how it happens in other countries, but this whole thing of imitating what we do here in the States, what people do in the States has always been cool, right? Uh, at least growing up, that was the thing that I saw. And perhaps that's that's part of the reason I am here. So in that process, I think we we are looking too much at the outside and not enough at what we produce there. Even in a, when I did live there, I, I remember that being sort of something that bothered me. Our, our literature, our music, 
our traditions. I don't, I don't know if the preservation of that is, is happening at the degree that it should. Mm. Again, I may be wrong because I'm not there and maybe someone who's listening to this and who lives there and, and you know, they're aware of the, the institutions that promote that culture and so on. Maybe they'll say, oh, no, they're alive and alive and kicking, but I do not know. That's just my impression. Mm. Thank you. I, I appreciate that comment. And I think my next question has to do with that. Let me ask you a very difficult question. I, I don't know if you're familiar with Jamaica Kincaid's work. Do you know the writer? No, I'm not. She's a writer who's originally from Antigua. Mm -hmm. And perhaps her most uh, acclaimed works are A Small Place and Girl. Have you heard of that? Anyway, she now teaches at Harvard University. She lives in Vermont. And I'd actually like to read you a quotation from A Small Place. Yes, please. Yep. She writes... The thing you have always suspected about yourself the minute you become a tourist is true. A tourist is an ugly human being. You are not an ugly person all the time. You are not an ugly person ordinarily. You are not an ugly person day to day. From day to day, you are a nice person. End of quotation. So the question is, is a tourist an ugly person? Well, a professor of mine many years ago told me that the interpretation of something is the job of the, the one receiving the message, not of the one tra transmitting the message, right? Um, and in, what I take from that is, I think she's talking about, again, in my view, of not how the tourist is, but how they are perceived. Now, is... Is the tourist an ugly person? I think it depends. There's no better answer to a, a difficult question than it depends. <laughs> her, her book is very interesting, and she takes the perspective of the tourist, and the tourist also gets to speak, and it's and it's all about tourism in the in the in the Caribbean and tourism in in Central America, and you know the sort of ugly tourism, the tourism that yeah. uses and doesn't and and exploits, right? And yeah, and, um, yeah, and to be a little more, you know. In, in, in part, I agree with that very much because, you know, when, yes, when you're visiting a, a wonderful destination, you're rushing from place to place, just trying to, you know, with a, with a checklist and just trying to get a selfie in front of monuments and, and, and other locations that you, you don't know the first thing about and you don't want to know the first thing about when you're there, that's ugly in my view. Or when you're someplace and, you know, especially in the realm of what's called luxury travel, right? And, and you're someplace and, um, and instead of really trying to understand that destination, you want to make sure that you brought what is yours from home so that you have those comforts there. That, in my view, is ugly. Uh, and this is probably not going to be very popular with a lot of people in the, in the tourism, in the tourist industry, or maybe it will. Well, her, her words really resonated with me and that is because i had one trip to the dominican republic with my parents to a resort that they go to and love and i was appalled i was really i really had a problem with it um because it was oh my goodness i don't even know if i can say this actually <laughs> drunk tourists uh, in the fountains these beautiful fountains you know, sort of people just drinking the cocktails and being obnoxious and belligerent and 
sort of Western music playing these so-called animateurs, you know, these animators, mm-hmm. these, these yeah. uh, people sort of there to entertain the tourists, having to dance with these tourists who didn't have any rhythm or any, you know, and, and sure. um, it was just all... I really, 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 really hated it. I ended up, we ended up speaking to some of the people working there and and some of them actually told us their stories and how badly they're treated and really tragic stories. And so when I read Jamaica Kincaid, that's what I, that, that's what really resonated with me. And, yeah. uh, and I hope you don't mind me saying this. I, I personally hate these resorts and these big trips and these, um, organized uh, um, activities where you're bust from one place to another and don't actually come into contact with real people. I feel the very same way. And, and it's, uh, you know, what you described there was, I wasn't even going for something as strong as that because, you know, people do that at home too, <laughs> Uh, which is not, you know, which is misaligned with what the author was was describing in, in the quote that you read to me. So I was going for something a little more subtle, but that to me are still demonstrations of ugly tourism, you know, to, to stay with this with this theme. Uh, and and that, for what you're describing there about resorts is also, now I don't know if I should say this, uh, <laughs> but the, it's some of the issue that I have with cruising with the you know uh, i think there there's a lot of people being convinced by their marketing that uh, getting on a ship and eating food from the the many restaurants in that ship and going from port to port is traveling and in my view that isn't that is not the case uh and of course they you know they're you know oh but it's convenient it's this it's that uh i don't i simply don't subscribe to that Mm -hmm. um well, I yeah. agree with you. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah. But let, let's let's see what comments we get on this episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm you know, totally going to have to shut down my company after that. But, oh, well. But I agree with you. So, That's what I believe. What can I do? What would you say is good and bad travel? I mean, what, what, what ways of traveling are yeah. good and bad? Good travel. Give yourself enough time. Don't try to go to more places than you have time to to visit. Uh, get lost. Walk around. Uh, going to the residential neighborhoods. Uh, you know, eat food that they eat there, not food that you that you eat at home. Uh, that's to me, that's good travel. And bad travel is the opposite. You know, it's uh, like I said before, rushing from place to place with a checklist and and you know, just focusing on the next uh, selfie that you're going to put on your social media and, and so on. That's and, and really coming back from the destination without without having learned anything about it, and learning in a way that you can only learn when you're there. So. Mm-hmm. so let me go back once real quick to something you said about KU and do a little blurb here for KU for what it's worth. I KU was really such a magical place. Lawrence, Kansas anyway is. And it we really had this group of international students. There were people from India, from Germany, I mean all parts of Europe, all parts of Asia, all parts of South America. Really such a diverse group of people and we were friends and we 
we ate together, we partied together, we studied together. It was really, really magical. And one of the things that you said from learning uh, from each other, um, do you know there was there was a big Greek population, but there was also a large group of northern Cypriots. So Greek Cypriots and northern uh, Turkish Cypriots. Okay. And for many of them, there were about 40 Cypriots uh, at KU at the time when we were studying. And uh, most of them Greeks, Greek Cypriots, and but several Turkish Cypriots from Northern Cyprus. And KU was the first time that they actually spoke to each other. So they came from this atmosphere where there was absolutely no communication. There had been a war. They hated each other. There was a border. And it was at KU that they actually sat down and had a friendly conversation. Um, it ended up, you know, with a lot of fighting and screaming and, you know, arguments, but I have never thought arguing was bad, right? So um, anyway, so just to toot the the horn for KU one more time, it's uh, yeah. no one thinks of that. People think, oh, it's Kansas, right? It's like a big cornfield or sunflower field or, you know, something like that. And and it is a really, truly enlightened, <laughs> a, place of, you know, a place of enlightenment and so, amazing, amazing music and culture. And it's really, it's a great place. It is. And it's so funny you should say that about the cornfields. And when, when I was, uh, so I, I went to KU, you know, I, there was a, a program in Brazil that selected a number of students. I think it was 18 students for them to go, uh, to go study abroad. And um, I was in the selection process and I met a girl in that process and we started dating. And long story short, she was she was coming to Ithaca and I was coming to Kansas, you know, I was coming to KU. And she had this book uh, called America with all, you know, all kinds of pictures about the different locations. And of course, we open and, in, in, you know, on the New York page and we're seeing all the things we expected to see, you know, the buildings and, and this and that and Manhattan, even though she was going to Syracuse. And then we open in, in the Kansas section and there's like nothing. There's just cows and there's fields. <laughs> and that was, I looked at the book, I'm going to become a cow after, <laughs> after a while there. But, you know, but KU, like you said, it, it was it was a little universe in itself, Uh it was very cultural, you know, you have people from all over the world, you have professors, you, and just the location was awesome. I have, like you, and I can hear that in your voice, I have some of the best memories from, from my time there. It was, it was a great way to go to college, honestly. It was, we had yeah. amazing college years. We really did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And that aspect of bringing people together that you just talked about. Totally, totally, absolutely, absolutely. So going back to good and bad tourism, right? So let me tell you about a friend of mine. Her name is Rachel Marks. She's an artist and a former, former ballet dancer. And she spent so quite the opposite of, you know, a resort and just kind of, or a cruise, right? She uh -huh. spent several months living in a big raised yellow half moon that, that resembles sort of a, a giant banana and this in the middle of the favela in i don't know you wow. might even know it it's called moro da providencia de rio am i pronouncing it all right halfway there <laughs> well you say it now moro da providencia do rio 
Right. And she taught dance and art and worked with the inner city kids there. So, of course, the experience she had is real, mm -hmm. tangible. You know, she, she was in the middle of it. How yeah. can people, because not everybody can do that. I think it would also be dangerous. It would also be, it, it's just not doable. Um, how can people kind of approach that type of experience or create experiences that resemble that? You know, this. how can people gain more of an authentic visit? Sure. Yeah. I mean, what, what, your friend there to me that's that's not even traveling anymore that's a life choice she decided to to take a direction with her life and and to 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 embrace that um but so something if we tone that down quite a bit then we get to what you're calling you know more authentic uh travel and the way i view it and what i try to create here with what we do is Sure, you're a tourist, you know, not necessarily an ugly tourist. So you're going to see the highlights. You're going to see the touristy stuff. You're going to see some of the stuff that the locals don't necessarily feel like experiencing because, it, you know, it's it's not that big of a deal to them. But leave yourself some time to, like I said, to just walk around, you know, and I start getting lost in the, the residential neighborhoods, uh, uh, I have some great memories of traveling with my wife, with Amy, and you know, Switzerland, and Norway, and, and Portugal, uh, and many other places, and doing exactly that. We just walk and walk and walk, and eventually we find a little place to eat, and then you typically don't find any tourists in there. So you just sit down and, and you order food however you can. So mix that up. It doesn't have to be just that, and it doesn't have to be just the highlights, but I think a healthy mix of that really creates a, a different experience. Hmm. I, I'll tell you about one quick story. I was, I took a tour to Cairo. Well, actually I, I went with a, with a boat to Egypt and then took a tour in Cairo and by myself. And this is, you know, this was in our college years. So I, I don't know if you remember, I had this really long blonde hair and so I'm this woman with long blonde hair in Cairo and I got lost. I got separated from my group. Okay. And that, that's what I remember the most was this experience. Cause then I'm sort of trying to get through the streets, the streets, trying to find my group. And there was a situation where all of a sudden there were, you know, more and more and more and more men standing around me. Everybody was kind of just sort of shouting things I don't know, at me, for me. <laughs> and I started getting really scared. And then um, several people started saying, come with me. I'm, I'm, I'm from your group. Yeah. And I, and I, I ended up at one point, one of them showed me his, his name tag and I ended up going with him and there was a bus and they sort of put me on this bus. And um, I, I told them not to close the doors because <laughs> otherwise I would jump out and <laughs> They were like, it's okay, it's okay, but it's really, it's not safe for you. It's not safe for you to stay on the bus. And so I stayed on the bus until my group came on a different bus. And then I switched buses and was safe. But that said, I don't regret having had that experience because that I feel was the only actual real Cairo that I saw. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, it ended well. So, but. Sure. And that's the thing. You didn't have, I mean, in, in a case like that, it was not planned, right? It happened the way it happened and you didn't even have the tools to know if there was really any threat. Right. Because maybe that that's just, you know, the, the things that people were saying to you, maybe that's just something that people do there, but that doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily go beyond that in any exactly. way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that made it a little scary, but that certainly is real. Right. <laughs> and, and unrelated, I want to apologize to you and to your listeners because I have a cold, so I am quite nasally. And if I sound funny, it's just that I wanted to throw that in there. You sound fine. You can hear a little bit that you have a cold, but it's all, it's all good. It's all good. Marcelo, any last words? What would you like to leave? What would you like to say in closing? And especially, I think, thank you for the conversation. I, I love talking to you. you. What would you say about tourism in Latin America? You know, you were right in the middle of the season on Latin America. And I didn't actually even let you talk about Scandinavia. And I think that um, I looked at your website and I looked at the work you guys do and it's amazing. And I completely agree with you. We are huge Denmark and Norway fans. And uh, maybe I'll, I'll have to contact you about a, you know, a trip to uh, uh, Iceland. My mother wants to go with us to Iceland. So, so I'll, I'll be in touch at least if, if at least about that, but um, absolute Scand- Scandinavia fans. We love uh, Sweden um, and, you know, we're, we're quite close. So for us, it's not as exotic. What would you leave the listeners with this idea of tourism and latin america and 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 the whole world (laughs) what last words would you have yeah i guess i mean i'll say the obvious which is if you have an opportunity to travel travel do it i i can't you know it's it's hard to think of many things that are as beneficial to in my view to one's development a way to enrich your life than traveling I mean, of course, I am so passionate about that that I started a, a company about traveling. But whatever the destination is, and if you feel somewhat intimidated, you will find a company that can help you with that. Whatever the destination is, you know, there are people out there selling experiences to all parts of the world. But I think the important thing is to do it. You know, Amy and I are, my wife and I and my family, we're not big shoppers i mean we like certain things but what we enjoy doing is travel that's how we like to spend money and to you know and to live whatever opportunity we have be it a place that's an hour and a half drive from here or across the world we just love doing it so i think that's the way to live life traveling (laughs) marcelo thank you very very much thank you you're so welcome thank you so much thanks for having me here